opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallan. Runner's World reports that a visually impaired runner and three guide dogs just made history at the New York City Half Marathon. Thomas is the president and CEO for the organization called Guiding Eyes for the Blind. The three dogs ran with Thomas Panek through New York's city streets and across the finish line. Thomas joins us to explain how him and the guide dogs completed this challenging marathon. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Appreciate having you here. Tell us about yourself. What do you do as Guiding Eyes for the Blind's president and CEO? Well, Brian, uh, we have a guide dog school. We're responsible for providing guide dogs to people uh, from all walks of life. We have uh, almost a thousand active working guide dogs that are out there, and uh, we're located in Yorktown Heights, New York. In New York, near New York City? Yes, we're just about an hour north of the city itself, and uh, we have a campus here. We have a residential program where people stay with us for about three weeks at a time while they are either getting their first guide dog or their successor dog. That's very nice. I love New York. New York's one of my favorite cities. So (laughs) Guiding Eyes for the Blind supports and creates life-changing connections between both dogs and people. So the New York City Half Marathon, you ran this year's marathon. And were you the first ever runner who was fully guided by guide dogs? Runner's World says so. I was. Uh, This was the first time that a blind runner was allowed to participate in the race, guided by dogs. I ran with a trio of guide dogs. Wesley ran with me for the first five miles. Waffle ran with me for the next five, and then my own personal guide dog, Gus, a yellow Labrador, uh, helped me finish the get to the finish line with the last 3.1 miles or 5K. How were you able to run with the three dogs? How did you know to meet all of the dogs at the certain places? How did you start off the race? Give the whole anatomy of how this happened. So, you know, first, first working with a guide dog is not something you do just by picking up the harness and walking or running. I had to develop a bond with each of the dogs. So they had to get to know me and I had to get to know them. And and we worked and practiced together for several months. All three dogs were in our running guides training program, which is a program that Guiding Eyes for the Blind offers to graduates of our school who already are working with their guide dog that want to take that extra step and work at a faster pace in a familiar environment. And so, Brian, what we did was we took uh, three dogs that really love to run, uh, including my own guide dog, and we practiced the route. So it's 13.1 miles through the streets of New York City, and we started in Prospect Park, which is in Brooklyn, and we practiced that area, and we took it one leg at a time. We also practiced the finish line route, which is a Uh, loop that runs through Central Park, and, you know, we made sure that we were on location. Uh, In terms of how I knew when the relay points were, that's a really good question. I used two tools to help me. 
Uh, one was just having uh, orientation and mobility uh, knowledge of the course to where, for example, I knew that there would be a U-turn at mile one. And so when I was feeling the dog go around that U-turn, I knew that I was at mile one. And when I turned uh, right on the 42nd Street, I could feel that right turn. I knew it was on 42nd Street. So I kind of patterned the course in my head to where the relay points were. And when we actually got to the first relay point between Wesley and Waffle, uh, they're both, uh, Wesley's a black lab, about uh, 87 pounds. Waffle's a yellow female lab, about uh, 60 pounds. And they know each other. So they were looking for each other at the relay point. Uh, I kind of knew when it was coming up within a couple of blocks and I started to uh, motion to the right and then the dogs found each other. So they made that, that part of it a little bit easy. Uh, then I would stop, give them some hydration, some water, some love, pick up the harness, and get back on the course. So I think the biggest challenge was other people. You know, there's 20,000 other runners, and those runners are mainly going in the same direction. For So for anybody with a guide dog who's working uh, through traffic, a lot of times that traffic is coming, the pedestrian traffic is coming towards you. In this case, it was a little bit easier because everybody was going the same way. Nobody was running the race backwards. So the most difficult thing for me actually was knowing when I crossed the finish line because that's something we I, I did not anticipate. I did not know when we actually had finished the race. Uh, of course, there's a finisher shoot, and I kept on running to the finisher shoot until – my god dog slowed down to a to a walk and then i knew we had uh, we had completed and were the first to complete that uh, that epic adventure how did you know to start the race though how did you make sure that you weren't being run over by anybody else i think that the the at the start line of the race, we you know we heard the start gun uh pop and it was actually an air horn and then you know, my dog started to surge forward along with the other runners, and we, I then felt the timing mat underneath my feet. It's a little bit of a bump in the road, and I knew I had at least hit the start mat. And, you know, at that point, the dog, dogs are exceptionally good creatures. Their natural pace is our jogging pace. So, he was, you know, Wesley was moving very fluidly alongside the other runners, uh, when we did encounter, he has a certain pace he likes to do. He's about an eight-minute mile. Uh, and so when he would encounter a, uh, what I would assume to be a person in front of me or an obstacle, I would feel him weave around that person or obstacle as long as there was enough room for all of us. And so, um, you know, just like they do when they guide walking, they were just doing that at a comfortable pace moving along. Uh, it's something certainly we practiced in different environments. And um, when Waffle got on to the course just to go over the Manhattan Bridge, it was a little scary because there was oncoming traffic in the next lane over. So I really did have to trust that she was going to keep me uh, right in center and not weave off uh, into that oncoming lane. But uh, for the most part, I, she was faster than I could run, so I actually had to slow her down a little bit. Uh, but, you know, it was all about, the main purpose of doing it was all about letting people know the capabilities of not only the dogs, but of people who are blind. And uh, along the course route, uh, a lot of the runners, to your point, were running alongside of me and they were saying, you know, I'm just about to be beat by a dog and someone who can't see. So I think a lot of times, uh, you know, 
my effort in running and getting other people to be fit and active and well uh, is as much for ourselves as it is to teach people that, um, you know, don't have low expectations because I might just beat you in the race. Well, how should they have high expectations? Well, I think the high expectations is just to take a person who is visually impaired and to say that person might be faster than me um, and not just make an assumption that, you know, because I can't see, I'm going to be a slower runner or a less capable runner. And so I think that's that's the main lesson that we want to teach people is just like anybody else, we have as much ability uh, as, as others. And we're running our own race. That race was me running independently of anybody else. Uh, I did not have human assistance. I was doing it with the assistance of dogs, which as a person who's blind, a dog is extension of my being. And, um, you know, it was a really proud moment finishing that race, knowing that I had been able to race for the first time in my life without another human being having to show me the way. At mile five, you and Waffle stopped. Actually, seventh mile. You you both stopped at the seventh mile to get a drink of water. How did you get a drink of water? How could you find the water fountain, or did you have a bottle of water with you? No, we what we ended up doing was uh, typically on these race courses there are water steps and people uh, throw their water cups on the floor. So once I felt all those water cups under my feet, I knew I was at the at the water station, and we pulled off to the right. And there are volunteers along the course that hand the water to the runners. I was carrying with me a portable bowl, uh, kind of a collapsible portable bowl for the dog. And so I took the cup from the person's hand, the volunteer's hand, and I poured it in to the water bowl and put it down. And uh, uh, in in that case. Uh, that was Waffle. She drank it, and I grabbed another one, drank it for myself, and onward we went. How well did Gus, you mentioned the Central Park Loop, how well did Gus navigate that loop? I heard he really <laughs> well. He he did exceptionally well. The Central Park Loop, if uh, people from not from New York, is a it's a pretty busy environment. Uh, typically, you have horse carriages, cyclists, and now people on electric, you know, conveyances like scooters and other things going through the park. And you've got birds and distractions and ducks, and uh, not to mention the runners. Um, and it's a loop that loops around uh, the entire park, and it's quite hilly too. As a matter of fact, the last hill that we had to conquer was called Cat Hill, of all things. And there I am running it with my dog. And, you know, Gus is a veteran. He's been with me uh, as a guide dog, experienced uh, guide dog every day for the past five years, keeping me safe. And we've run that park often. So he's very familiar with that route. And, you know, the crowds were uh, really spectacular and the crowd support uh, just cheering Gus on and uh, letting us know that we're getting close to the finish line, which was really helpful. And as soon as I entered the Central Park Loop, I started to count my paces because at that point in time, I know I'm at that last half mile. Uh, and, you know, I think that Gus was weaving a lot in Central Park around people that were stopping. You know, it's it's a long distance, 13 miles to run, 13.1. And a lot of people after the 10-mile mark were start, start, starting to walk. So, you know, somebody would suddenly stop in front of us and Gus would very quickly adapt and move me out of the way left to right while we were running. 
So I really needed somebody with that, you know, a dog with that level of experience to get me through that part safely. And a lot of it is following the dog and being able to adapt your footwork to when the dog is moving at that pace and just adjusting and uh, making sure that you're always trusting the dog too. If you second guess the dog, you're going to get hurt. And uh, so, you know, fortunately, um, there was not one incident along the race course where I so much as brushed a shoulder with another human being. So they did an exceptionally good job. And, uh, you know, as I like to say, when I finished, uh, they, uh, they deserve the medal more than I did. And Gus is seven years old and he's ready for retiring from being your guide dog. Waffle or Wesley, who's going to be your new guide dog? So Gus retired, and uh, he's at home now with my family. Fortunately, I was able to keep him, and uh, Wesley was selected by Guiding Eyes for the Blind to be my new guide dog, uh, and he's been doing a good job. We're new to each other, so we're just getting used to one another, but uh, Wesley is uh, doing a great job so far, and I look forward to years of being able to run with him. As a matter of fact, uh, this weekend we're going to be running a 5K race in Richmond, Virginia, and I'm looking forward to doing that with him. What's going to happen to Waffle? Waffle is a very energetic dog. Uh, She is an incredibly capable runner, and she was trained as a guide dog. Um, But I think at this point we're going to look at a career change for her. Um, she's a lot to handle. Uh, when, whenever I have a chance to meet her, she, um, I'm about six feet tall and she makes sure that her nose touches mine. So she's a little bit of a spring. She's got a lot of energy and I think we're assessing her for some other types of work. A lot of dogs that don't make it as a guide dog go into other, uh, types of careers such as detection work, uh, with our state police or they go into other career sets. So, I think we're currently evaluating her to determine what her future would bring, and she might even be a, a running guide for somebody. We just don't know yet. She just has to find the right match. Now, you've run in marathons in Boston, New York, and Chicago. How did you get into running marathons? Well, I, you know, I have RP. I ran for many years, and then one day I was running a Chicago marathon um, as a as a young man, and I went into a tunnel and I didn't come out the other side. So I stopped running and didn't have the confidence to run anymore. And then I got a call from a friend of mine who uh, helps to coordinate for the United States Association of Blind Athletes, uh, visually impaired marathon championships, and uh, encouraged me to try to run with a sighted guide. And I tried to run a 10 miler, which I successfully did. And that was my, you know, very long distance for me at the time. And I worked my way up from the Army 10 miler to run a half marathon uh, with tethered to a human guide, giving me verbal cues. And then one day I set my sights on the moon and I said, I want to run the Boston Marathon, which is probably the most uh, iconic and competitive marathon that you can qualify for. And, uh, through a lot of hard work and determination, I was able to uh, to finish five Boston marathons in the past five years. So uh, that one is a really tough and hilly course. Uh, but I always, always wanted to do one with my dog and not have to rely on a human being to guide me through. So that's where the uh, New York came into play. Hey, go for it. 
how did you lose your sight from retinitis pigmentosa? So over time, uh, at first I had, uh, you know, the rods started to uh, be affected and over time the cones were affected. So I lost night vision, then I lost color vision and eventually the ability to see shapes and shadows. So over that time period, uh, you know, it's a progressive uh, retinal disease. Uh, so I was no longer able to, uh, to see by the time I was 40 at all. And I'm 49 years old this week. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think that that's been a long progression for me. Uh, and uh, fortunately, I've had, you know, a great gift that was given to me. Uh, and I've been using guide dogs since the age of 26. So I've been able to be independent and mobile. And um, I have a family, I have a job, obviously a CEO of Guiding Eyes for the Blind. And now I'm able to give back. So, you know, guide dogs are available at no cost to people who are interested and now you can even run with your guide dog so it's a wonderful offering what was your official finishing time in the race and what was the average pace for each of your dogs's miles that's a great question i actually had a finishing time of uh around two hours and uh 21 minutes just under and the race time pace for the first dog, which was Wesley for the first five miles, was an eight-minute mile. Uh, then Waffle came in, and she was cruising along at about a seven-and-a-half-minute mile. And then Gus came in at about an 8.30 to 9. And if, if you do the math, that puts me at a finish time of about 1.50 or 1.45. Uh, but we did stop to uh, not only do the hydration stop uh, for water, we also stopped for the relay points and uh, there was a, uh, a media interview along the way for the weather report to kind of let people know how the weather of the day was. It was a cool day and a uh, perfect day for running for both me and the dogs. And collectively, we had a chance to uh, to visit some puppy raisers that were volunteering along the race route to raise a future guide dog. We are a charity at Guiding Eyes to the Blind, and all of the donations go in support of providing a guide dog and the lifetime support of that dog at no cost to a person who's visually impaired. And at the end of the day, uh, for me, it wasn't about the time I finished the race in, although I'm still very proud of the time, uh, but our average pace was about 10 minutes per mile, including those very important uh, key stops along the way. The guide dogs have to navigate a route and avoid obstacles at a comfortable pace. And this lets the athletes run safely. How many miles does each dog have to run over a three-month preparation period? And I, and I hear it's a lot of miles. So we did about 120 miles for training of the running guides that participated in the half marathon. Uh, we never ran the dogs longer than 10K, which is uh, just a little over six miles at a time, just so that they have their comfort zone. Some of the dogs were very capable of running more than that, but the total of Brian was 120 miles of practice, which sounds like a lot of miles, but it was over uh, numerous months. So it, it averaged about uh, two to three miles a day. Two to three miles a day. Now, but don't they get any, don't the guide dogs get any special training though, as they're marathon runners too? They do. So they got conditioned. So we started out with uh, short runs and we worked our way up to a mile, two miles, three miles. And eventually they got conditioned to where 
you know, they would be uh, go out there on a regular basis. I spent a lot of time training myself with the dogs. Uh, we actually had uh, three additional dogs that were in the program that were uh, getting race ready, just in case any one of the dogs decided that this wasn't for them. And so we had uh, Lynx, which was another dog who came to us uh, on the day of the uh, of the big race, and all of the dogs had been formally trained through the running guides program to work at a faster pace and to navigate obstacles safely. And so our trainers have what we call a final blindfold where the sighted trainer will blindfold uh, themselves and another trainer will be present to watch to see how the dogs behave in different environments in order to pass the ultimate test to become a guide dog. And so all of our dogs had to go through the all of the uh, you know required training protocols to make sure that they were able to navigate safely. So, what advice do you have for our listeners and their guide dogs who want to run? Well, first, I think that the most important thing for individuals who are interested in running with their guide dog is to talk to their guide dog school to see if that's something that they support um, and whether the guide dog uh, is 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 ready to run. I think that's another question. But my advice would be that it's incredibly important to be active and to uh, get out there and move with your dog. It's important for us as individuals uh, to stay healthy and well. It's important for the dog too. And uh, if you're interested in running with your guide dog, you can always reach out to the Guiding Eyes for the Blind Running Guides team. So the, the Guiding Eyes Running Guides program is really the only program that I'm aware of currently that um, at, at a guide dog school uh, that allows the guide dog to go through an additional training set. So what we do is we have dogs that are specifically selected that enjoy running, or we assess whether a guide dog would like to run through an assessment process where one of our trainers will go out with the dog and run with it and see if it enjoys the the running and they look at the body language of the dog and make sure that they're really liking it and then we have a specially designed harness that's made by Roughwear which is a company that we work with to design the equipment that attaches to the dog and allows for a little bit more arm movement up and down if you think about yourself running but still connects to the dog it's like the dog's running clothes goes around the dog's body. It's called the Unify Harness. It is uh, universally available. It's not just a guiding eyes harness. And we fit the dog to the harness and teach the handler and the dog how to work at a faster pace. So that program uh, is available to any running, uh, any graduate of guiding eyes for the blind presently. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? No, I just want to thank ACB for being a phenomenal organization. Uh, I've always had a great deal of affinity for uh, everything ACB does and lots of friends within the organization. And uh, I would just encourage people, if they're interested in learning more about Guiding Eyes to the Blind's Running Guide program, to reach out to us. You can reach out to us. I'll give you my email address. It's president, easy enough to spell, president at guidingeyes.org. That's G-U-I-D-I-N-G-E-Y-E-S.org. And I'd be happy to connect people with the Running Guides program or our other programs as well. We don't only offer running guides. We offer guide dogs to people who want to walk at all paces with their dogs, as well as other specialized training programs to meet your needs. 
All right, Thomas, you and the guide dogs ran a great marathon. This may inspire some of our listeners and their guide dogs to run for fun and exercise. Thanks so much for joining us today. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Before we go, listeners, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website at speakingoutforthebind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. My new email address is speakout at acbradio.org. And my show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking-out-for-the-blind. Please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind, where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows, ranging from episode 94 to the present. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. Debbie Hazelton here, host of The Good Energy Mix and In the Quiet on ACB Radio Interactive. After 12 years and some occasional breaks, The Good Energy Mix is changing time and format. Beginning one hour earlier, at 10 a.m. Eastern each Monday, The Good Energy Mix format is changing to accommodate much of the music that is spiritual yet not suited for the more meditative climate of In the Quiet. So I hope you'll tune in and add your energy to the mix each Monday, the Good Energy Mix at 10 a.m. Eastern. And remember, In the Quiet, each Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, both here on ACB Radio Interactive. California, Florida, Iowa, Texas, guide dog users, students, IT professionals, government employees. The American Council of the Blind has members in all 50 states and is actively engaged in a wide variety of activities. We advocate for the education, employment, and social inclusion of all blind and visually impaired Americans. We publish a monthly magazine. We hold an annual conference and convention and operate a multi-channel internet radio station. Check us out at acb.org. Together, we can do anything. ACB Radio.